so we're back again. Um, it's kind of weird because I'm having to re-record because my batteries died earlier tonight. So uh, I'm trying to get back to recording it live, which is which is always to me better. You know, kind of get to follow where the spirit goes and kind of what uh, is happening um, with everybody in the room, how we kind of get to dive into it all together. But we're just going to jump right in today. We start our dive into Genesis, or we started our dive into Genesis, and kind of our new town, uh, Jesus Every Day, is kind of uh, uh, the new new town for me, focus. Um, and so the, the goal over the next month and, and so is to just spend time with Jesus every day. And so I encourage you to challenge whoever is in your circle of influence to just spend time with Jesus every day. Um, so tonight, our, our goal, real quick, is just to kind of give a quick introduction to all this, but also kind of begin spending some time with Jesus every day with some of our own study and reflection. And so, um, real quick, I just want to start with the Old Testament. You know, why is it so important? Or what do you think of when thinking of the Old Testament? What, what do you think um, are some of the stigmas that come with just the word, the Old Testament? I know some of the ones we talked about early t- earlier tonight is that it's old, it doesn't matter anymore, it's it's obsolete, um, it doesn't all make sense, it's it's full of meaningless numbers and rules and stuff like that. You know, a lot of people, when they compare the Old Testament to the New Testament, they kind of scratch out the Old Testament, except the stories that they like, like Elijah and Daniel in the lion's den and, and Joseph and some of them. But when it comes to all the other details in the Old Testament, the prophets especially, it's like, uh, I'll pass. I have no idea what Isaiah or Jeremiah or any of them are talking about. Um, and so here's what's interesting. I want to look at a passage in Luke 24, just kind of introduce everything tonight. Luke 24, verse 13 through 35. Um, got a Bible? Read it with me. Let's take a look at it. It says, uh, Luke 24, verse 13 through 35. Um, that very day, two of them were going to a village named uh, Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that have happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to him, what is this conversation that you're having, uh, that that you're having with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad, because they got sad. Because one of them said, "Um, are you the only person in Jerusalem these days that, that... the visitor or whatever, that doesn't know what's going on. Um, and he said to him, what, what are you talking about? Jesus said, what things? Not that he didn't know, but um, he wanted to hear them talk some more and see, see what they were thinking. Anyway, it says, uh, verse 19, they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. For we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Even more so, some of our women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that that they had uh, seen a vision of angels who said that Jesus was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they they didn't see Jesus. They didn't see him. And so Jesus said to them, foolish men, I told the students earlier tonight, you silly little goosies, but I think that's exactly what he said. Um, Anyway, uh, 
and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Verse 23. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with the Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further. They urged him to stay. They said, stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is, is now far gone, far spent. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at a table with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And it was at that moment their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us? to us the scriptures and they rose that same hour returned to Jerusalem they found the eleven who were with uh, with them and, and gathered together and they said look the Lord is risen and he has appeared to Simon and then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread um, and then it says verse 32 really cool they said to each other did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road while he opened to us scriptures. Oh wait, we already read that. But going back to verse 32, we'll continue. I got a little confused there. But so we just read Luke 24, 13 through 35. What's interesting is looking at verse 32 and verse 27, it says that Jesus was talking to them about the scriptures. And when we think about scriptures, we think about the whole Bible. But what is so cool, what is so interesting is the scriptures referenced here is just the Old Testament. It's just the Tanakh, the the Torah, the writings, the prophets, the, the laws, those things. It's it's just the Old Testament. And it's as if Jesus knew something about the Old Testament, something different than we tend to acknowledge in our own lives or in some of our, our Christian circles. That the Old Testament, the, the first half of the Bible there, it is all about the one representative the humanity who goes into death and to suffering and out the other side so that there's a whole new path, a new direction of repentance and forgiveness that is opening up for all the nations. You know, that, it, you know it, it's so cool. That it, let's see, going back in verse uh, 27, I believe. Yeah, it says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus saw the the Old Testament, the scriptures of the time, in a unique way that maybe we should as well. Um, that that it's all about him. I mean, he is in everything within it. You know, I love verse 32, and it's kind of one of the things I want to drive uh, home this, this month. Is, is it says, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up to us the scriptures? Our hearts burning because of the scriptures that he was sharing and the connections and all of that that he was sharing with them. And so we're going to dive to the Old Testament together, and we're going to do it personally as well. And our goal is to experience Jesus every day through it, for our hearts to burn as well. And one of the ways we're going to do this, one of the challenges ways, and one of the ways I'm going to help encourage it is we're going to have a challenge. It's called Get Hungry. It's called Get Hungry. Um, and uh, the idea is, is as I'm going to encourage students and really even our volunteers and adults, um, 
when we finish books of the Bible, we'll, we'll get an opportunity to spin our wheel of free gifts. And just as it's not really much of a, a prize or reward, but an encouragement, an I, a, a reminder of what it means to be hungry for the word. And so that's one of the ways we're going to try to encourage the hunger for the word is with physical food. Um, uh, again, as a reminder to a hunger for the word. And so we're going to start that Sunday. Um, but I encourage you and whoever else, you can start reading now. We're going to start in Genesis. Um, and every time we finish a book of the Bible, any you know anybody can spin um, just as that encouragement. But when we read, I encourage that we read with that fire burning in our heart, that connection with Jesus. Try to connect it with Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to practice that today. So let's dive in together and read. Um, so... Um, But I encourage you to take a pause and go read Genesis 1 through Genesis 2, chapter 3. We read that tonight. I'm kind of losing my voice, so I'm not going to read all of it. But it's, all, it's, it's the, the first creation story here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then uh, what we did is we went back to a certain spot, which I'll read in a minute. But pause, just read the whole first chapter and the next three verses in chapter 2. Because honestly, those three verses really do go together uh, with, with chapter 1. But just take a pause and, and read that. And after you're done, um, I'll kind of share uh, kind of where we're going for the next several Wednesdays. Um, if you haven't seen our logo, our Genuine Youth Ministries logo, it's kind of the logo for the Spotify or the, the podcast or however you're listening. So that's what it looks like. But I added something to it. Um, it's our motto, and we're going to kind of explore that over the next three weeks and connecting it, seeing the connections between our motto and Genesis chapter 1, 2, and, and 3, uh, for I guess the next three weeks. So our motto, um, the short version of it, is real people, real life, and a real God. It's the idea that we are real people. We're going through real life. We have real experiences, real troubles, real, you know, good days and bad days, but all we want is for others to know that there is a real God that we can be real with. And so real people, real life, and a real God is kind of our motto at Genuine Youth Ministries, our new motto that we're going to kind of adopt. Um, so what I want to do is look at Genesis 1, and we're only going to explore just a passage in it, but I encourage you to look at the whole chapter and, and ask, you know, what does it mean to be a real person, real people? Other than skin and blood, what does it mean to be real, um, a real person, and 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 how does this all connect to our Jesus everyday theme? Where does this connect with Jesus? And so, our focus is Genesis one, starting in verse twenty six. Um, so you can read it with me. It says, "Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over." over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, 
and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So, um, what does it mean to be located? So we're kind of back up, going back to verse 26 here. And, and, and that's the question we're starting with here is, what does it mean to be a real person other than a heart and a brain and flesh and blood and being able to walk? You know, that's, yeah, that's important. But what does it mean to be a real person? First, it says, let us make man in our image, in our image and after our likeness. What do those two words mean? Well, first, image, the translation of that word actually kind of denotes uh, uh, statues, this, this connection to statue. Now, we are not a physical manifestation of who God is, and, and, and you got to be careful with that. God is not uh, limited to being a male or a female. He's not limited to being a human being. He's created us. He's creator. We are the created. But this idea is kind of connected to this idea, um, like the kings in Egypt back in the day, you know, going into their uh, uh, land, you would find these statues representing these kings, and they would be big, and they sometimes they would be uh, connected to, to beasts and stuff like that, but there would be these statues as a reflection, a reminder, and a pointing to who that king was and his authority or his character or, or something like that. That statue would represent who that king was. And so in the same way that we are created in his image, we are created to represent our God to the world. Because the whole world is his, and so when other people see us, we are meant to represent who our God is. Another one is likeness, and it kind of denotes um, a life that, that, that they act like me, that we are both meant to represent who, who God is to the world, but we're also supposed to reflect his character and goodness. Humanity, people are meant to reflect God's nature and character in a way that no other part of creation would to represent and to reflect. And then we have, uh, going on, it says, and let them have dominion um, over the fish, over the birds, over the livestock, over the whole earth. Let them have dominion. Um, some translations say rule. Another uh, said subdue. Um, let them have this authority. And so one of the questions that comes to mind is, is what is the nature of this dominion or this rule or this subduing? You know, when you look at the world, for so many people, that just means, oh, I can do whatever I want. I can squish whatever bug I want. I can, I can, you know, exercise all my freedoms the way I want to. Um, and then we see Genesis 3 follows Genesis 1 and 2, and that's exactly what happens. We took on a nature of dominion as a selfish, I get what I want, I do it my way, um, kind of attitude, and we mess it all up. But if we are made in his image, if we're meant to reflect his nature, to represent who he is, then maybe we should ask, how does God view it? What kind of dominion is, is his rule and authority and subdue and dominion character characterized by? You know, God is more shepherd-like. He's 
he he secures um, this well-being. He loves and blesses, and he takes care of the world. He creates it. He cherishes it. It's not, uh, you know, a stomping on our earth thing. He does remind us of who he is, that he restores. You know, look at look at verse two of chapter one. I think. Um, and, and several verses around it, it says the earth was formless and empty. And then you have six days of him forming the earth and, and, and filling it, creating order out of this chaos. That is God's dominion. It brings order and beauty. You know, look at Jesus. How did Jesus practice his authority on earth? Well, he was a servant. He, he practiced his lordship through servanthood. That he worked, he, care, he tilled uh, the the people he he he, he um, discipled he he served those that were around him, um, and so there's this connection here for us as to when when it comes to having dominion to ruling to subduing the earth, we have this connection with the earth even in the words used for for dust and for mankind. You know the word for mankind is also the name of the first man, Adam. Adam is not just the name, but it's the word used in Hebrew for mankind. The word used for dust is Adamah, Adam and Adamah. Such a connection just to kind of help us picture, to understand that we have a connection with the world that we've been given, the relationship with God, with, with others, and with the earth that we've been given. And we need to take care of it. We have a responsibility to, to be good stewards of it. And so we're called to um, represent who our God is, to reflect his nature, and to have a God, uh, Christ-like um, dominion and re- a responsibility for uh, the world he's given us and everything in it and everything that we have. Then it goes on, um, Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Um, See, God created us in a specific way as part of God's intention. This is part of the very good at the end of the chapter. He created us a specific gender, male and female, a sexual identity he he gave us that we could share life together and produce life together. And it was a good thing. That's how he intended it. It was good. The idea is um, that that male and female together represent the image of God in a way that neither male or female alone ever could. And yet, when we take this dominion out of context and we rule our own way, we even mess that up. We no longer represent the image of God because we decide that the way he created us wasn't good enough. Even though it was very good, it wasn't good enough. But... We were created as real people to best represent the image of God together. Through, through, through our connectedness and relationship and friendship and the way that we relate and the way that we are as, as with, these, with these unique differences, we best represent the image of God, his character, his goodness, and his purpose in, in the male and female way. I thought I, I think that's so important today and now and, and all that. So yeah, we represent, we reflect, we carry out that Christ-like dominion, male and female. Um, and again, 
we're, we're, we're talking about what does it mean to be a real person. Well, then we get to verse 28, and it says, and God blessed them. God blessed them. And there's this blessing that created a a relationship, a relationship that we can walk in day by day, hour by hour, moment, moment by moment with Him. There's this blessing on our relationship with Him, with others in this world, and that when we walk in that, we get to experience the fullness of that blessing. It's not uh, like a, hey, here's 10 bucks, go eat lunch. No, hey, man, I'm going to teach you what it means to be provided for every day and what it means to provide for others, to help others out. And there's blessing in that. And so we have this blessing that's part of what it means to be a real person. And then verse 29 through 31, or 28 still. um, Yeah, it says, and God said to them, and he said lots of things, but it says that God said to them. See, God relates to humanity in a special way. We are spoken to. So part of this blessing is is God speaks to them. God speaks to us. He reveals himself to us and allows for a response, allows for uh, a reaction relationally. And it not only says that God uh, said to them, but in verse 29 it says, he says, behold, I have given you. God speaks to them, reveals himself through that speaking, but also gives to them provides provision, a shepherding, a, 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 a taking care. Again, again, this idea that God's dominion is all about caring and, and taking care of us. And that's part of what it means to be a real person, is having this relationship with God, this blessing, knowing him as this Christ-like dominion, reflecting and representing. That's what it means to be a real person. And it was all very good it was all very good so what does it mean to be real people well it means we're created to be the representative and reflection of god's goodness and character we're created as a reflection of god's goodness character and likeness in order that we might live as good stewards and servant-like rulers of this world to live as representatives of, of god's rule the way he rules, um, to reflect his authority in our world and our relationships in, in so much more, and that we've been blessed to live in a different way, in special relationship with God, others, in the world, to walk in that relationship. That's the blessing we have been given. And so that's what it means to be a real person, and that's kind of what we're going to be talk, uh, we, we talk, talk about tonight when it comes to genuine resources. We are real people. Yes, we also mess up. You know, to free, to fall. We'll talk about that later, but that messed up what it meant to be a real person. You know, now we come with some baggage and some issues. But through Christ, and that's what we'll talk about next, through Christ, he's a source of what it means to be a real person, to be made in the image and likeness of God and with all these other things. So again, how does this all connect to to Jesus, well, let's talk about that. I want to look at 1 Corinthians real quick, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45 through 49. Read with me, pause if you need to and catch up. But it says, here's, here's what's written. The first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now, the first Adam, Genesis 1 through 3 here, uh, became a living being. The last Adam, that's the kids this, they got it, I'm proud of them, um, 
through Jesus. He became a life-giving spirit through his work and through what he did coming from heaven and, and, and being perfect on earth and teaching and, and, and loving and, and ministering and through the, de- uh, through, through the cross and through, the, through his death, through the resurrection, through the ascension, gave us this life-giving spirit. But it says, moving on in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 46, but it is not the spiritual that comes first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. You know, we were born first, and then our heart were reborn. Verse 47, the first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Again, we're created from the earth, a man of dust, and, and Christ is from heaven. Um, verse 48, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. One more. Verse 49. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also bear the image of the man of heaven. Here's my point with this. It's kind of a, it, it's Paul's writing. It's kind of complicated. But Jesus, this, this image bearer of heaven, this man from heaven, this second Adam, this last Adam, yes, we are connected to the first Adam and connected in the, in the same way that, that we're born and all that. But Jesus, you know, if we have him in our heart, Jesus allows us to return to being real, to rediscovering our identity, our purpose, and this blessing of life with God, bearing his image and everything that comes with it as we live as his created ones. And so we can bear the image of, of the man of heaven of Jesus. Our image and our likeness is restored, the ability to be able to represent, to reflect, to, to have Christ-like dominion as male and female walking this blessing, this special relationship with God is restored through Jesus. And so even from Genesis 1, we can already see Jesus tied into it and the intention that God had from the beginning to restore us, to, to, to make us in his image. And there's so much more that we could talk about. We could talk about John chapter 1 and how Jesus in the Word was was in the beginning. Um, and then Colossians, how how all, you know, he, he, he all creation came through him and, and he holds it all together. And there's so much more um, that connects Jesus to Genesis 1 and, 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 and ties Jesus from Genesis 1 everywhere else. But the point we wanted to drive home tonight is kind of our motto the first part, real people, real life, and real God, that Jesus, through Jesus, our image and our, our likeness, or, or, or God's image and likeness, is made full again, is made possible again through Jesus. And so we are real people, real people, through Jesus, real people that reflect, that represent our God, that practice Christ-like dominion, as male and female, and, and, and then walk in the blessing and relationship that God has given us um, in a very special way. And so, yeah, that's lesson one. It's so good to kind of be back together. Um, and just a reminder, you know, this is all about Jesus every day, us spending time with Jesus every day. And so starting this Sunday, we're going to have this challenge about um, uh, getting hungry for the Word, getting hungry and just spending time with Jesus and so I encourage you to participate, um, to ch- uh, encourage one another, to challenge one another in that, um, and just to walk as real people. So let me pray.
again, uh, I, I pray you have a blessed evening or morning or whatever time it may be, day or time for you today. So, Father God, I thank you that you created us with such intentionality, such love, such uh, care, that even when we messed up, you kept that same intentionality, care, and love all the way, and you sent us Jesus, who now can restore us to be your people, more than just flesh and blood, but of spirit and of power and of your love and of your goodness and of your image and of your likeness. So God, may we be those representatives and those those reflections of who you are in the way that you've created us and in the way that you desire us to walk in that way. So God, we thank you and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for, for listening. Keep joining us um, in our ministry as we continue to be real people, go through real life, and walk together with our real God. Looking forward to seeing you.